0: This is the Critical Conversations podcast, a KPOV special project developed to feature unique perspectives and the courage it takes to go there, challenge mundane thought, and question the norm. Good morning, Marcus LeGrand, and welcome to the Wednesday edition of The Point. We are very excited to have you with us today to talk about equity in the school system. Can you begin by telling us a little bit about yourself and how you became involved in this cause?
1: Ooh, (laughs) Hi, I'm Marcus LeGrand. I'm an educator here, activist, father, husband. Like I said, pretty much just a change maker here in the community. I think how I got involved in this, I think it's like when I was younger. Even when I was in high school, I got involved in this this type of stuff. I always was trying to find ways to help pave a way for students. And even when I was in school, you know, stuff like sit-ins. Even when I was in high school, we had a sit-in. Just trying to find ways to be that true change maker for our students. I started since then. But how I got involved here is when I moved to Ben. I did my usual thing of just jumping in instead of just taking a step back to see what the needs were of the people. And I went back to my usuals and then I couldn't do that anymore. So I took a break for about a year and a half. And that's how I ended up at CLCC. I said, how can I be more of a true innovator or interpreter of what is needed without understanding what landscape looks like? So that's what I did. I started figuring out what the landscape needed, was involved, Try to help the culture make a shift in and, and a positive direction. And that's where we're at. And that's why I jumped in.
0: So what do you see as the main challenges for Ben specifically in building equity in the school system since you've lived here?
1: Uh, acknowledging that we do have a problem. I think that's the, that's the key thing of societal uh, issues is trying to identify that, hey, we have a problem and recognizing it. We're selfish and we're prideful and people aren't willing to relinquish a lot of the control or the way the system is set up. Or like I like to say, if I hear the term, this is the way we always done it. (laughs) That is, you can't do that anymore. We're way past that. I think in terms of looking at some of the changes we need to make, we need really not just policies, but look at how we can communicate with students is one of the key pieces. We build build relationships poorly. takes teachers right out of school, and you teach them no management of a system, you teach them no behavior management, only thing you're teaching them is how to just basically teach a specific subject or multiple subjects. I'm of the mindset of let's get these teachers early on into community-based programs, after school programs, different programs where they're making connections with students in the community first before they get to the school level. And then when they get to school, they've already built relationships with those students and they have a better understanding of how they, you know, react from so on. Let's go there. Secondly, we do need to change policies and change the way we do things, be a little more flexible in how we instruct. You don't have to always go with the state mandate. Let's really look at how we can be flexible in some of the things that we do, but at the same time be true and accountable for keeping church and state and all those different things out as much as you can. Because I think it clouds a lot of uh, people's judgments, stuff like this, and it's hard because we all have a lot of implicit bias that we know we can't rectify sometimes. We can learn to monitor it and you know, adjust it necessary. And then the last thing I think we need to do is be flexible in scheduling. All students I don't think need to be in school as long as they are. And I think industry is gonna have to make that shift too. I think kids should be in school no longer than four, five, six, maybe five hours at the most during a day because they they're here, boom, and then they need to do everything. We treat school like it's a job. It's not their job. You should basically want to give them practical uh, knowledge on how to be able to maybe go find an opportunity for them, but you don't need to say, hey, you need to be regimented to this point. Let's be flexible in that regard. But parents have to be flexible with that schedule too.
0: So what I'm hearing is having the school system open to growth and change and catering more to the students' individual interests.
1: Right, almost oh, definitely. Europeans and other countries have been doing it for years. Like, why are we so behind? Come on. Why you think you know, Japanese and even some of the Chinese systems or even especially in Europe, some of the systems are so much more advanced because they know so many different things. I mean, I look at France, for instance. These kids eat and cook their own food, basically. You eat what's there. You don't get to regiment and you learn how to set at a table and eat with your peers. You're not just running off on the playground. You're actually sitting down having a meal with your fellow students. That's in That's in regular school every day. They don't waste anything. They understand how their system works. You know, They understand how their agriculture is related. They learn different languages. They, they include the arts and creativity more into some of many systems. And the people will say, hey, will not you just move to France? That's not what I'm saying. It's okay to look at other people's systems.
0: Yes, Oregon is a predominantly white state and I know race is a polarizing subject and it can cause some uncomfortability. What advice would you give to someone to get over differences and to be more comfortable in learning about other
1: cultures? (sighs) Easy. It's lean into the uncomfortableness and realize that everyone is trying to make a living and trying to live their best lives. But you don't have to sit there and argue or belabor a point with someone. Another thing you have to do is teach people how to stop, drop, and roll, is what I like to say. Let me explain that to you. So stop. If you're having a conversation with somebody and you know race is one of those things, just like religion and politics, that get people really amped. The reason people don't want to talk about race is because race is really just a made-up construct and that's still stuck in their head right every application everything involves race in some capacity we know why you don't have to dig into all that but if you don't know why, i can tell you but anyway we don't have to but let's get beyond that let's stop drop and roll right stop in the moment and go okay if i have a conversation with this person is it going to benefit me or them or both or is it really worth my time at this moment to have this conversation to either interrupt correct enhance, whatever. And is this person willing to have that conversation with me? Number two, the drop part is, am I willing to drop who I am to maybe go lower or higher in the conversation? Because most of the time, if someone says something racial, it's basically going to be demeaning or not good, right? So you're trying to level the thing. So in that moment, do I want to drop everything that I'm doing while I'm at dinner, whatever conversation I'm at work? Do I want to drop what I'm currently in the middle of to do this, right? To put any energy toward it. And the role part is, what is my role in this situation? What is my role in this situation? Am I there protecting my family? Am I protecting me? Am I protecting a group of people? What am I doing? Right? What is my role? Am I going to help the situation be better, worse, whatever, whatever? And then you go, if I don't want to do any of those things, just keep it pushing.
0: One thing (laughs) I've noticed in this community is a lot of people voice acceptance, but taking the action to make a difference is more of a challenge. What kind of action can people take to really improve equity in the school system specifically and the community in general?
1: Make it multiple. I, and, and I know, don't want to be mean by saying what I'm going to say. And I hate to say this in the way I'm going to say it. It's kind of when I, I know people say, when you put a disclaimer in front of something, it's going to probably be bad. No, what I'm trying to say is, is that women have the most power when it comes to causes. And I always say this is in this reason. If there's something that really needs to be changed, a group of women in a large group and a large movement needs to push and continue to help. I can't wait on guys to do it because if you wait on guys to do it, it's not going to happen. Women are so the most organized, planned, thoughtful, considerate in terms of trying to get action when it comes to this. I just want a large group of the moms, the you know, PTO leaders, you know, the people who normally just, just jump right in, let's make this a big human cause, right? Because unfortunately, men have, in my mind have not, we've not been taught to just understand, have compassion and empathy in some ways. We do to a certain extent, but not the way where we gotta go the longer length, but unfortunately we're in power positions to make, make that happen and that's, that's the unfortunate part. Those people aren't willing to lean into that. And what I'm going with this is this, When you have a specific issue or concern we got to get everyone together both sides black white hispanic whatever you want to say latinx whatever you want to say lgbtq parents women especially and come together and say let's figure out this all together because that's what the movement's going to take can't be a one single like i said parent or that student's issue it has to be everyone going hey this is a major problem we need to fix it because i had a conversation unfortunately with a A kindergarten class last week and a young man comes up to me and he goes I don't think black and white should mix how do you have that conversation so I go hmm hey kids who likes chocolate ice cream who likes vanilla ice cream who likes twist is it okay yeah so why shouldn't we you diffused it and you don't go into going where did you learn that and then I look at the teacher and go you need to have that conversation with that young man I love that
0: exercise because it shows we have more in common than we
1: think yes exactly yeah. Hey, you need to have that conversation with that young man, not me. Because if I do, it it may it may come across as I'm pushing my position, but he knows you or inspects you. He sees me once or twice a year, or maybe how many times I get there. Well, I'm just wondering, I agree with you completely about the investment of the teachers, but there are so many restrictions right now that individuals are attempting to place on teachers about what they say, the conversations they have. How do you handle that? and I think your position probably with the school board will help in that that capacity Well I, I'm only one vote of seven on that school board when you think about it from that perspective. but in terms of being in that moment where teachers are hesitant, I, I'm pushed back a little on that because here's why you have the power and as a board you've said, hey, if you have the means to be able to correct and change something, do it. And I think, like I was saying, it goes back to what I said earlier. People are so stuck in this. Well, this is the way we've always done it. And if I step outside this comfort zone, 18,000 students in our school district. So one parent's mad at you because you told the kid the right thing or you tried to help guide them in a different direction. You're their educator. You have them longer than most parents do in their education time. You have them seven eight hours a day. Hey, I would want to empower my teacher to go, bam. Regardless, if I'm a parent or educator myself, you know, go. Like, go. Go fail. It's okay. It ain't going to hurt you. Well, it sounds like you're willing to give support in those areas completely, which is wonderful.
0: So you have a long history of mentorship, and you started with even teaching track, leading spoken word workshops, and theater workshops. How important is it for students to have this creative outlet to tell their story?
1: Oh, my God. The arts are what got me through school, high school, college, even community college. It was something I always loved. I started doing some acting when I was like in the fourth and fifth grade. My grandma used to send us to these free community theater programs because it kept us busy, kept us out of trouble. And Mr. Kennedy, RIP, I love this gentleman for the reason that he said, I just want all students to come be a part of this theater because everyone's a part of the theater. And he did not, he was not discriminatory in any means. We just had a great time. So anyway, the reason I did that is because creativity is the way students learn so well. And I think sometimes we get away from that. I was listening to a TED talk where a gentleman talked about that, right? And we have school stripped creativity away from students. It's because we have the sciences and maths and all that, then we have the humanities. We always put the arts down here. The art teacher, the drama teacher, all those different pieces are always the last ones we hire. Creativity is what got us to where we're at. When you were a kid, your parents loved your creativity, loved this, but when they dropped you in school, all those things got pushed. And I think if that back to what we talked about in terms of how we can make changes in school, let's bring creativity back, even within our instruction. Teachers need to lean into their creativity, to their inquisitiveness. And it's always been the best ways and the best barometer to help students come out of their comfort zones. I use it all the time. I, I want kids up and moving and showing who they are, embracing the fact that they get to be their own, their own self. I love it. And I will always continue to do it.
0: And speaking of creativity, COCC is partnering with the Tower Theater for the Evolve Experience. Can you talk to us more about that?
1: Oh, my God, yes. Evolve Experience is pretty much a unique art based performance of conversations civilians have in relationship with the police. And the monologues are true stories from people from, from the police side as well as the civilian side in terms of how they interact and have conversations. Cool thing about it, I love is that after the performances, they have a QA. Be able to look at the barometer in your community and what's going on. And it gives you the opportunity to build a different relationship with, with your police department. It's being, you know, sponsored by a lot of community organizations and who are really into helping to make this a better relationship. Things like, you know, community health, mental health organizations, as well as you know, even our law enforcement are engaging in in this conversation. And a lot of social activist groups are in part of it as well. I love it because, you know, it's free to the public. It allows people to be able to come and have that conversation. I think the time frame, I think you have the time frame. uh, I think it's it's in March.
0: March 20th Uh, at 6.30 p.m.
1: And March 19th at 2 p.m. So there's two shows. There's a matinee uh, on March 19th at 2 p.m. And on March 20th at 6.30. It's at the Tower Theater. Again, like I said, it's free. And I'm looking forward to it. The promotion for this is is going to be off the charts. <laughs> so look forward and have fun.
0: And I saw another part of your background was using alternate methods of schooling for students who struggle in the school system. Has yeah. these outlets helped those students who need something different?
1: I, I love it. I love that students have an opportunity to be able to engage in school and they may not normally be able to do when they're in the classroom. So, I, as an after school program that I work with at the library, we do it uh, every Saturday. Uh, this is the second year we've been running these programs. It's been phenomenal. Uh, we just did some woodworking with students, give them an alternative way to be able to engage. We're going to be doing something with Project Like next week. It's looking forward to that as well. Uh, the other things I love is this, the students have an opportunity to show their true uh, creativity again and, and, uh, and more controlled and accepting the environment and I think that's the equitable piece of it and I love it. That's why I'm always going home for students to be able to be creative.
0: And you have accomplished a lot in your lifetime. You were in the navy for many years. You worked in the business industry and these industries are run predominantly by white men. Has your story helped students who maybe don't feel like they fit the mold of society become interested in these career paths?
1: I think so, because the things they lets you know the flexibility you can have as a person to be able to do so many different things and take many of those attributes that are transferable from all. And it is phenomenal because, you know, my military experience taught me how to do things when I was in college. College and my military experience helped me understand business and how to build relationships and know how to adjust in different environments. And then also working in corporate America and now being an educator, it tells me to help students go, you can bypass some of this or you need this more or As things change you need to look at this so you give them so many different insights but here's the cool part all of those things taught me to continue to don't be stagnant continue to evolve in terms of how you continue to find ways to leverage what they do and still stay on track with those things
0: So we are coming up on the last minute of the interview. It went by quick, and I have so many more questions to ask you. We'll have to have you back on. But can you give us a website of where people can find out more information about you, your cause, and especially about the Evolve experience coming up?
1: So the Evolve experience, if you go to COCC's website, you know, it's a regular general website, and look for the season of nonviolence. uh, It's one of the different listings that we have coming up click on the QR code and be able to get tickets to be able to come. At the same time, if you want to as well, uh, go to many of the different calendars, event calendars in our community, you can find it there as well, as well as the tower website as well, to be able to pick up, you know, tickets too. So there's so many different outlets. You can grab the information, but I'm looking forward to it. And just want to wish everybody a, you know, great remainder Have a uh, Black History Month. It's just a great, great month.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today, Marcus Legrand. It has been a pleasure to get to know you, and I definitely want to have you back on. Thank you. Likewise. You've been listening to a KPOV Critical Conversation. To hear more engaging interviews on important topics, please visit kpov.org slash critical conversations.